Disney Lorcana's competitive play just had its biggest weekend ever. And I want to believe for one second that it comes off the back of the announcement of organized play. In today's video, we're going to be covering 13 events worth of decks and worth of top eights for a total of 104 decks in just one weekend. Absolutely insane. So crazy. Let's get into the meta breakdown. 104 top eight decks is led by an incredibly large margin by Ruby Amethyst. 56 reported decks as of this morning when I updated the final tick before recording. However, we do have some resurgence of other decks that were kind of lacking in recent weeks. Amber Steel takes second place with 14. Sapphire Steel takes third with 10. Amber Ruby makes a return to the meta report with seven reported top eight decks. Amethyst Steel has six. Emerald Steel found its way with four. Sapphire Ruby had three. Amber Emerald had three. And a one lone Amber Amethyst deck from the top eight reports this weekend. Now I know it's just starting to get repetitive at this point. But this is insane. Uh, in all honesty, one weekend of events hosting over 104 top eight decks and 56 of them. That's right. I said that correct. 56 of those 104 decks are Ruby Amethyst. Not only that, it won several events this weekend. Of the 13 events, it won at least six of them. It's Kind of insane. Uh, the deck's power has just become unmatched at this point. And I really want to know at this point in, we're 10 weeks into to the meta reports. This is a repetitive thing. Hit me up in the comments. Let me know how you're feeling about Ruby Amethyst in the closing weeks leading into the Inklands. I'd love to know how excited you are to get to set three. I'm excited. Let's get into some of the decks, though. The deck before you finished second place in the Versus Games 1k event in Avita, Florida that hosted 50 players. This is Jake's deck from the event. He finished second. He actually sent me his list via Discord, sent me a bit of a meta report, and the one card that really stuck out was You Can Fly. It's a two-cost inkable action song which reads Chosen character gains evasive until the start of your next turn. So, to be specific here, the start of your next turn played an important role on the day. Not only does it allow certain characters to gain evasive to combat against the Minnie Mouse surfers of the world, Fidget or Pongos. We've seen Tinkerbells recently. Um, Genie on the job has made a return. So the card has become a very interesting role within the metagame itself. However, it also plays a secondary role and the ability of giving your characters evasive through your opponent's turn to make it more difficult for them to challenge your characters. So this could act as a nice little protective field when in doubt to gain free lore for an opponent being incapable of responding to a particular character. Aside from You Can Fly, you can see that this list is pretty straightforward. Uh, choosing the endgame of having two Maleficens, one Elsa, and three Ursula... Uh, the removal package is pretty much there. They are only supporting three Mauis and three Lady Tremains, but do have the four Be Prepareds and three Teeth and Ambitions. Everything else is pretty much a core of deciding on six 
of the one cost instead of the eight or seven. But through and through, this list is pretty standard with the addition of You Can Fly as its tech card. Now, let's take a look at the winning deck from the pack event held this weekend for 270 players online. Francis Cormier picked up the big win in the 270 player event hosted from Thea over at Thea BC on Twitch. And this is the winning list. Now, as you're starting to look at the deck and really review it, you may find yourself kind of just noticing that this pretty much is the standard deck. There really isn't a true addition to any tech cards. Uh, there's no Peter Pan Shadow. There's no Fidget. There's no uh, Tiggers or Goofies. No BLTs. You know, no Gruesome and Grim. Like, all of these tech cards that we've seen players playing over uh, the course of the last few weeks, this deck pretty much avoids all of them. And it's just playing a very stock Ruby Amethyst list but was able to pilot it to a win in one of the largest tournaments to date, uh, but definitely the largest tournament online. And that's a pretty impressive feat when you consider it. The deck just chose consistency. It chose playing the best cards at each of the cost and in cost of the card themselves and really just played on consistency. Who needs tech when you just play your best cards every turn and force your opponent to answer them, all the while having some of the best answers and removals in Disney Lurkana? 8-1 cost, having the Cuscos uh, as a match. Of course, the snakes, the foxes, the rabbits, the goats are all there. Uh, deciding to play Teeth and Ambition and still, still having Maleficent, 4 Bee Prepareds, 4 Lady Tremains, 4 Mauis, and the finishing cards of three Ursula and one Elsa. Francis spoke about his deck uh, in the post-game interview with Thea, which I do imagine will end up being on her YouTube page. If not, you can check out her Twitch channel that might still be hosting it. I'll leave that in the description below. I really just want to give Frank and Jake, uh, you know, true congratulations here. Frank played really well. I was able to watch his top four match and his finals match. I thought he played incredibly well in the finals. There was just one turn where I think he could have done something differently to give himself a better chance in a particular game. But in all honesty, the deck once again proved that any reasonable pilot can take this deck and just really be successful in tournaments. Francis here didn't need any crazy tech cards to try and hedge the mirror match. He just played good cards and he just played them really, really well. Uh, proving once again that Ruby Amethyst's power and consistency is truly remarkable within the metagame. Huge congratulations again for picking up the big win, and I can't really say any more about Ruby Amethyst to this point. The deck is very, very good. Let's look at some of the decks that were also quite successful this weekend. World Class Cards down in Milwaukee decided to host a 5K sealed event and a 2K constructed event this weekend. A uh, huge shout out to World Class Cards for putting on this kind of convention-esque level for Lurkana and really being the first trying to push the limited format in a 5K. Uh, very, very interesting for them to take that commitment to it. But they also hosted a 2K this weekend, which had over 40 players registered for it. And this was the winning deck after Swiss. They did decide to cut in top eight, but this deck finished first overall 
going into the top cut before they decided that. So we're going to take a look at Amber Steel Aggro featuring Tiana celebrating Princess. Now, this is a deck that has definitely gained traction in recent weeks. I actually covered it on my top decks to play in 2024 before it's too late video. If you want to check that out, you can see my version of this list. But in all honesty, this is just another rendition of how powerful Mufasa can be when played correctly, utilizing Tiana. And for all those that haven't you know, been under a rock the last couple of weeks that this card has been coming out, Tiana is a four-cost, uninkable, one-strength, four-willpower, two-lore character with resist to, and what you give is what you get while this character is exerted and you have no cards in hand, in your hand, opponents can't play actions. So the core factor of this deck is really pressuring the board early, getting cards in play, getting characters turned sideways, gaining much lore as possible, and then putting yourself, your opponent, in a position to where they can't play grab your swords, they can't play be prepared, they can't play any spot removal like let it go or dragon fire or strength of a raging fire, any of those things, you're just off the table, and it makes them harder to interact, really being forced to need rush characters now i will say that this deck is really straightforward it's very powerful it's very low to the ground however it still can truly struggle with certain uh hands from ruby amethyst you know the deck doesn't deal very well with fox it doesn't do particularly well with maui still so losing all those trades and most of the time leaving fox around or leaving maui on the table uh causes trades to be a lot easier Maui unfortunately does run into Tiana and take her out and still leaves Maui with four remaining willpower. So while the deck is gained traction, you do have to understand that I do believe this is really good against opposing steel decks and causes problematic because they don't have rush characters to contend with you. But Ruby Amethyst is still definitely not a slam dunk win whatsoever. There were 14 Amber Steel decks that competed for the top eight slots this weekend and tiana celebrating princess was actually in a quite a bit of them definitely a deck that i would continue to research and look up and find a version that you might want to try now on the flip side of amber steel we also have sleepy's flute versions this version was played to a top four finish in the pack tournament by frank zhang now you might not know the name frank zhang by looking at it but this is zephyr youtube uh, he creates wonderful content and great storytelling for decks, and you should definitely check him out if you haven't yet. I'll definitely put his link to the video in the description below. He also streamed this weekend, which was really great for me. It was great to watch Zephyr stream all nine rounds of the tournament, and he is top eight and top four matches. He really played through the games well. He discussed his matchups well. He discussed his mulligan incredibly well. If you were looking for a total breakdown of how amber steel flutes should be played and honestly from one of the better players in Lorcana, you know he was showing his stats off this weekend and he's played over four thousand games of disney Lorcana, which is truly remarkable they say that it takes ten thousand hours uh to become a master at something so in card games you know that takes ten seven and ten years but playing four thousand games definitely puts you in the class of your own Honestly, the game he lost in top four, he definitely made some mistakes, but I don't even know that it would have truly mattered. Uh, what I'd love to say is that this deck is 
kind of designed to be favored in the Ruby Amethyst matchup, but he still was taken down in top four by Francis. Uh, both players, you know, playing very, very strong decks and play, you know, very, very well-rounded decks. You can see again that, you know, this list, I think has really evolved over the weeks and it's definitely been interchangeable, similar to the Ruby Amethyst list where you probably have, you know, six to eight cards that you can always just mess around with. In this particular list, I think the one Cinderella, the two World's Greatest Criminal Minds, uh, the Robin Hoods and the Eric's probably all fall into that category of potential tech cards. In all honesty, they all truly played a role. I think Cinderella was the only one that was the lowest impact of the cards that I just named. I, Royal's Greatest Criminal Mind was also not particularly uh, great, but in the end, it's an inkable song. And when you need it, it is there. And when you don't, you can ink it away, but it also just gives you the ability to, in some cases, just play World's Greatest Criminal Mind just because it's a song to activate Sleepy's Flutes to gain yourself lore on a turn uh, in the Ruby Amethyst matchups when you need it most or in any of your grindy control matchups. I want to give a true shout out to Robin Hood here. That card was phenomenal all day long. Uh, Prince Eric is the... You know, Prince Eric and Robin Hood, I don't think you can play for Robin Hoods because of the uninkable aspect of it. Prince Eric filling that kind of role. But I, I will say that Prince Eric is likely a character that I wouldn't be shocked if Zepha decides to take that card out and try some other cards in it. Maybe even go into the extent of playing Jafar's. It's another way to interact with evasive characters is a little more tech. But in all honesty, Robin Hood was an all-star. Definitely a card that I think people continue to overlook. And it was great. And I've been shouting from the top of the mountains how good Hercules is recently. Uh, if you're not playing Hercules in your steel decks right now, I think you're making a huge mistake. This character has continued to just be incredibly remarkable in all the games that I'm playing. It's very, very strong. It's very overlooked because it's just like some basic looking character. I get it. But, you know, having shift ability, having... The resist to resist to is just it's the number that I think cards need to be to really uh, stick in the current metagame, which is no shock why Tiana is being successful and Hercules being successful. If the prince had resist to as a one three, it would be the best bodyguard in the game and it wouldn't be close. So you can see the difference between resist one and resist two really mattering within a metagame and this deck truly just coming up in a big way. And the last thing I want to say about Zephyr's play is that he to me proves that you know this deck is not a deck that anybody can play i know it it looks good it's successful but it's really been successful in the hands of very good card game players not necessarily the best lorcana players or you know anything like that but what i've seen is that when a normal casual player picks up this deck there's so many little intricate mistakes that happen and that cause you to lose games watching Zepha play all day, uh, watching Dave play at PAX Unplugged, you can see the decisions that have to be made that are sometimes very critically hard choices in games that the normal player just, they just don't make them correctly. And watching Zepha talk through his turns, talk through his matchup, talk through the mulligans, uh, discuss why he's not playing a Cinderella on turn one because he knows he's going to need the ink on turn four, all of those things really add up in the game, and it really just plays to why this deck might be one of the best decks in Disney Lurkana, but it's so much more difficult to play than Ruby Amethyst, in all honesty. So 
that's a huge takeaway for this deck. But congratulations to Zepha on an awesome run. And honestly, thank you for providing the entertainment all weekend so I could watch the tournament through your eyes. I really need to give a shout out today again to inkdex.com. I found these guys a few months ago, but this weekend, and honestly, to start the week, they have made my life so easy. You definitely need to check out inkdex.com because this is where I got every single deck could have been found uh, through inkdex. I did have players report to me, send me the messages and DMs. Or I found some, you know, early on on Dreamboard or shared through social shared through social media. But Inkdex has every single deck in every single tournament reported from this weekend. Thirteen plus events reported on, and Inkdex already has them all. Very nice and organized. You definitely need to check out this website if you're a competitive player. Absolutely worth to check it out. And of course, if you're liking this content so far, hit me with that like button. And let me know in the comments how you feel about that initial meta breakdown. Let me know how you're feeling. I know it's it's probably hard to see the skyscraper that is Ruby Amethyst every week, but at least we did have some returns this week. So let's talk about another return to the meta game this week. Amber Ruby had zero top eights last week, but in this week it came back with seven. So Mufasa was not hard to keep down very long, and it's not the only Mufasa deck that was successful this weekend as we did see an Amber Steel Mufasa, and we're going to see later on an Amber Emerald Mufasa. This is back to where it's at, celebrating the Laughing Dragon Con, January 20th, 1K event. Uh, this is top eight player Lauren Mulligan. I love the name. Uh, I'm not sure if Mulligan is her actual last name, but if it is, man, that is phenomenal for any card game player. The big standout here is the Queen of Hearts Floodborne, 5 cost, 4-3, with shift and the ability of whenever one of your characters challenges, you get to draw a card. I do think that adds another layer of drawing to this. Hades brings back another uh, kind of flash of the past, realistically here, when you start thinking about the Amber Sapphire decks of Chapter 1 where a lot of their core mechanics of ways to beat the Ruby Amethyst games were through Hades Recursion and, of course, Shift Carefree Sturfer. Uh, but, you know, the big boy here uh, in the end is Mufasa. You know, this is, this is Mufasa's deck. This is where this deck came from. It's what this deck is made from. There are zero non-character cards in this list, uh, sprouting the wonderful ability of just constant interaction and causing from your opponent. Now, there are several new cards in this list. Seeing Goofy for the first time is great. What I will say uh, is the card that I was not giving enough credit early on in games uh, and in reports was Doc. Doc on three, you know, allowing you to start moving the game forward even, you know, more fast on turn four is huge. Because realistically, Rapunzel and Hades are not characters on average that you play on turn four very often. So being able to accelerate to five, when in doubt, to play a queen if you couldn't shift, or play a Goofy, play a Maui, and now even with the addition of the Queen of Hearts here uh, as another potential way to play to where you have to start challenging to draw more cards and things like that, it just adds another layer to this deck to being basically a character lantern that also grants you two lore and really has to recall a reaction from your opponent. All in all, this deck is very straightforward. It is a very great game plan against the Ruby Amethyst. 
I do think that this may be the most favored version. I think it's the best version of Mufasa um, in terms of being able to come from behind because the Ruby removal is just so very powerful right now in the metagame. Having Maui, having Lady Tremaine, and even having Scar as another one is just another reason why this deck has so much power. And I can't think of a, a bad time ever when you look at this list. And the amount of outs you have for hitting a good card off Mufasa is greater than not hitting a good one. Most of the cards have a come into play effect that's useful. I think the only time you're going to be really sad is when you hit, you know, your one cost, the queen. Aside from that, every hit in this deck ends up being very, very powerful. And it's very nice to see the deck make a return. However, I think that the cost of this deck is going well above $450 now because Mufasa has almost quadrupled in price to this point. So if you haven't got your Mufasas yet, then you have to know that this, the cost of this deck is getting very, very pricey. Amethyst Steel took a top eight split at the Ikikon 1K. I definitely did not pronounce that right at all, but it's in Texas at Games Castle. Uh, in Austin. So this was a great event. If you're looking for coverage of this event, our friends over at the Illumiteers actually streamed the entire event. Uh, Liam was a caster on the day. So you can definitely take a look at this deck most likely and that event as a whole. I'll definitely, I'll add the link to that description below, but I really wanted to pinpoint this steel amethyst deck. Now, we did have six Amethyst Steel decks in top eight this weekend, all looking very different. There's a Tiana version for aggro, there was a bodyguard version, and then there were several control versions. This is very, very close to the list that I have been messing with. I had said before that I really like Ursula in this deck, um, and being able to fit Ursula and Elsa might look incredibly greedy, but if any deck in the game is able to get away with it, it might be Amethyst Steel. I do think there's a good chance that you could end up with some clunky-looking hands. In the games that you don't end up with those clunky-looking hands, you end up with so many endgame powerful cards that your opponent has to consistently answer back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. I've been you know, calling for Elsa and Tinkerbell for months now at this point, and the combination of how good that goes goes all the way back to chapter one when players were trying to figure out this deck then. But now with the addition of the Madame Min Merlin package, the deck has only gotten stronger. Um, while Tinkerbell has gotten a little weaker in a metagame with Cogsworth, it's still very good everywhere else. Due to the uninkable aspect of this, uh, it's a deck that I really have enjoyed Blue Fairy in. And I think that finding a way to put it back in the list would be really, really important because honestly you need to get as many draw triggers as possible to not get stuck on having too many uninkables in your hand at the end of the game. Deck is great. Deck is so much fun to play. Uh, Ursula is massive. It just adds another layer of cards that your opponent has to figure out how to interact with. And I really look forward to seeing how much more this deck can evolve over the last month of Rise of the Floodborne metagame. Emerald Amber has had an uptick recently through different forms of media and uh, a couple now reported events where Mufasa and Amber Emerald is proving to be another version that is successful. Wuzik O was able to take this to a second place finish in the 270 player online event. So what's the difference between Emerald and Ruby? Well, 
Ruby offers you a way to play removal, play cards from behind, uh, being able to utilize really big swing cards and gain card advantage through. And this Emerald version is more focused on high lore gainers. Cusco, Mad Hatter, Ray, um, you know, adding the evasiveness, of course, of the Genie, Tinkerbell, Ray, and even Peter Pan is another addition. You gain another two lore character for two cost and Flynn Rider. Uh, but aside from that, it, this deck really offers a die roll decision, in my humble opinion. I think this 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 deck on the play might be one of the more difficult decks to interact with, and it probably wins way more of its game on the play than it does on the draw. Uh, the moment you fall behind, the moment your opponent answers characters early, you just can't really recover from it. Uh, it's very, very difficult. And the worst part about this particular list is that you can get very clunky and not have any real way to gain card advantage uh, to get out of it. So a lot of times at the end of a game, uh, specifically in the finals, it really would have been necessary to play more than one character a turn to be avoiding Lady Tremaine's. This deck's not good at that. Uh, it, it it spent a lot of time playing a Cusco or a Ray and then having to pass, not having a follow-up to complement you know, that character at all. And because of that, he found himself in a hole very, very early. This deck has had some success recently, and I do think it's just another you know version of Mufasa. But for me, I, I personally don't think uh, that this is the best Mufasa deck. I think that Mufasa in Ruby is much better. I think Mufasa in Steel is even much better. It might be the type of player that I am because I like to have answers and removal in my deck. So I'm not just totally all in on hoping my characters turning sideways is good enough. But for my play style, uh, this particular deck is definitely uh, the, last, the last version of Mufasa that I would continue sleeving up. All in all, still an incredible finish for the deck and really put a highlight on the deck so more players can see it, which is why we're showing it here. And, you know, again, shout out to Wuz Wuzuk. I know I'm saying your name wrong. I'm so very sorry for butchering it. Uh, but seriously, congratulations on a really, really great run in that very large tournament. Popsicle makes another top eight appearance. It actually had three top eights this weekend, but this deck was host was played by gavin at the severus den uh which is a friend of the channel shout out to josh he sent us the information over facebook and i really wanted to make sure the severus den got some love they're continuously trying to support disney lurkana they're i'm pretty confident moving into a bigger store soon which is also going to be great for the whole area there in ohio lots of great things to be said about the severus den uh, i met josh and played against him at pax unplugged Really fun guy, dressed up like Donald Duck for uh, cosplay, so shout out to Josh again. Let's check out this list, though. Gaston Intellectual Powerhouse is a card that I've been touting about for weeks. It's so good. It's so great. Uh, it truly is a powerhouse. The ability to replace itself and have three lore is just a threat. It's a very, very large threat uh, for a six-cost character. It's absolutely worth the uninkable cost here. But in any deck with Fishbone Quill being a requirement to have early on is just the pinpoint of this entire deck here. What I will say is that this list, the number one thing that shocks me 
is the fact that Minnie Mouse Surfer is nowhere to be found. I find it being one of the best cards in this deck. So I'm very curious to understand why you would not consider playing that card. This deck has way more ramp. Um, and maybe that's just a, a real choice here, but it has one jump ahead, Grandma Tower, Fishbone Quill, no Mickey Mouse, but it still is representing the two cost ramp cards we've kind of seen go away in weeks. Grandma Tower is probably fine. I think one jump ahead is likely the card that I don't want in this list any longer. I think it's just something you really don't need. The uninkable is another thing I'm just not interested in. So even if I were just the straight replace one card to find room for Minnie Mouse. It's absolutely probably one jump ahead. Other than that, I love Noi. Uh, great card. Eye of the Fates is really interesting. It's a card that's fallen out of favor in the Rise of Floodborne metagame. It's not something you see very often at all, so it's cool to see that back. Uh, playing the two bells in the end is great. I still think that this deck falls claim to the Ruby Amethyst matchup in a big way. But what I will say is that it, it is a problematic matchup for a lot of Steel decks, uh, specifically the Amber Steel decks. So there is a world where this deck is just very all in on having a turn four or turn five be prepared against the aggro decks. And that's why the one jumps are necessary. So you can really just guarantee the earlier B prep and really punish uh, your opponents and then be able to follow up with, you know, the Lady Tremains and the Let It Goes, the Maleficence of the world because you've already ramped so much. So maybe that's the line that we're going for. And in that line, you don't want Minnie Mouse Surfer anyway because she's not particularly great. But... I think it's hard to believe that that's the, the absolute best route to go. So while I think this deck can be improved, uh, it's still great to see Popsicles finding success within the metagame period. And definitely a huge shout out to Gavin on the finish at Den this past weekend. Emerald Steel, Bloodborne, Discard. Uh, this is a deck that people are very high on to where they either love it or absolutely hate it. I will say that listening to Zephyr this past weekend, talking about some of the Emerald Steel players on the Pixelborn ladder, Hercules has been a recent inclusion to being able, like honestly being a way to pivot away from the natural game plan uh, of this deck in a big way. And I found that very, very interesting because now it does have a way to say, I don't care about my discard cards. I just care that my characters are two Lord characters and I'm just going to, like turn them sideways and force my opponent to interact with me that way still have the bibbity bobbity boo line in this list we're obviously still repping bucky and all the floodborne characters donald duck jafar tinkerbell uh the beast are you know and the addition of hercules here adds plenty of you know strikes for the bucky line prince john still one of the best cards ever i do like to see the more defensive version of this list playing its own grab your swords I think that's important because we've seen more and more aggro decks come out of there. And if you fall behind, you just don't have a way to interact. At least having two grab your swords uh, might catch your opponents off guard thinking that you're not going to have a card like that. So that's great. Specifically, when you're still playing Tiny Tacticians as well, you definitely have a line to play, uh, you know, shift Great Fairy in and utilize grab your swords to really move the game forward. Improvise is another card that I'm shocked we haven't seen more of in Emerald decks. It really does create trades that your opponent likely isn't accounting for, which I think is very important because this deck does have a problem with low strength characters outside of Hercules, which is why I think Hercules is a phenomenal addition to the deck. But even, you know, just 
buffing a Bucky to two strength to trade when you have to is a big deal. Buffing a Donald Duck to be able to trade with you know three willpower cards is a big deal. Same thing for Benjin. And then it might look like um, you know a, a, a net negative, but because Improvised draws you a card, it ends up kind of matching itself out. It also can very well bleed to another way to find uh, Prince John on turn three or Bucky on turn two. You might just play Improvised on turn one just to simply draw a card to really try and hit on the characters that you need to play uh, on curve. So definitely a huge shout out to Thomas here. This did take first place in that 1K event. So definitely congratulations to Thomas here and Emerald Steel still hanging around in the metagame and being a nuisance to any player that cannot stand discarding cards. Sapphire Steel had 10 top eight finishes this weekend, really coming off the backs of another great successful week for the deck. In recent weeks, we've seen this deck evolve more and more. The one card here played by Mr. George Machado of PPG was Beast. No, not Tragic Hero. <laughs> We're talking about Beast that has the ability of Break. The five cost inkable 442 lore with Break, which allows you to banish an, an item, is definitely a card that has gone away since the incarnation of benja what i love about beast in this deck however is it can sing all of the songs that you wanted to and if we're being honest benjamin's not a card that you even want to play on turn three or turn four and more often than not you end up playing the card on turn five or six anyway in some cases so having a five cost character that does what benjamin does for you anyway that can innocently sing a whole new world let it go or grab your swords actually really turned my head for a moment i think it's a card that people aren't really going to expect they're not going to see it as a threat that might actually lead into a reason to play more of the beast because it is a card that still represents two lore its body is fine for its cost at an inkable cost getting more you know five cost cards in this deck that lead to singing the songs that you need to be sung because you're not an amber deck that can utilize singer i think it's actually a really really big deal i'd be curious uh if i would even remove the judies from this deck entirely to just play more beast i will say that you know this deck definitely requires fishbone quill being able to consistently play fishbone quill on turn three will lead to way more wins and victories uh, I, I, the deck has continuously shown success now through events, but I will say that it, it's definitely, once again, I think when we start looking at this deck, uh, in its whole, much like the Amber Steel Flute deck, this deck really does have a toll. It, it has a lot of decision points. You know, what am I inking with my fishbone quills? How many uninkables do I need to get rid of? You know, how important is it, uh, to tie my nothing to hides? I think there's a lot that goes into this list. And because of that, and I'm not the expert that looks about it, we're actually going to have George Machado on for an interview. So this list will be covered in depth with George as we discuss it, discuss the tournament as a whole, his top eight run, and of course, everything coming up with PPG on the horizon in February and beyond. So if you're looking forward to that, then hit me up in the comments with a question you might have for George. Definitely let me know what you thought about any of the decks from this week, because there was a lot of really great decks. There was 104 total decks that go across. I did them as quickly as I could and with the best of my ability and my opinions of all of them. 
congratulations to every player uh, that top eighted this weekend. You know, we range from tournaments from 23 players all the way up to 270. At least four or five events were above 50 players, which is truly remarkable. Disney Lurkana's competitive scene ha- took a huge leap this week with organized play announcement and with these 13 events all hosted at LGS's conventions online all over the world. Uh, It's a great time to be a competitive player in Disney Larkana. I am so excited uh, for the growth of the game, and I look forward to covering this each and every week. If you like this type of content, make sure you subscribe. You never miss anything. If you want to hear from George Machado, definitely subscribe as well because he's going to be on next Thank you guys so much. If you want to hear about last week's meta, you can check out a video. You're looking for the cards that were revealed this week. You can check out that video. Thank you guys so much. Again, make sure you hit like. Hit me up in the comments. Let me know what deck you're playing. And as always, we'll catch you in the next video.